Hello, and welcome to the Once Again Podcast. We are your hosts, Ashley and Jason. In today's episode, we shall be looking back at Once Upon a Time, Season 1, Episode 3, Snow Falls. This episode is written by Liz Tiglar and directed by Dean White. It premiered on November 6, 2011 and had a viewership of 11.45 million. A brief synopsis of the episode, at Henry's urging, Emma convinces Mary Margaret to pay a visit to a comatose John Doe in the hospital and read to him from the storybook. But Mary Margaret is stunned at the outcome of her visit. Meanwhile, back in the fairy tale world, Prince Charming meets Snow White for the first time in a most unexpected way. And I'd also like to take a moment to welcome Ashley back to the podcast. She was unable to record for some time, and I found doing the podcast on my own to be a very daunting task, to say the least. So, Ashley, welcome back. Hello. Thanks for uh, thanks for holding down the fort while I was gone. I'm glad to be back, though. I'll tell you what. It, uh... Itching to talk all about Once Upon a Time again. Yeah. Good, good, good. <laughs> so, uh, do you want to get right into... We can of start course, off. let's you... get right into it. Okay, so I have here in my notes the trivia card, uh, or excuse me, the title card features a troll. Yeah, actually pointing a knife towards the viewers, which I think is a little, gives you a good idea that the, it's not going to be a very, like, wholesome episode necessarily. Yeah, yeah, I didn't actually notice that, um, but thank you for pointing that out, yeah, uh, he was he was holding it towards the viewer, you're right. And then the opening scene uh, has a Prince Charming and his, I don't think we know that at this time, but his fiance, Abigail, um, are making I forgot their... that her name was Abigail. Yeah, um, I, I looked it up uh, in Midas's, well, I guess this is a spoiler for who her dad is, but in Midas's story, his daughter's name is Zoe, I think. So I don't know mm. if they were just white girling it up or what by naming what's her interesting Abigail. too is because i'm reading the books now to go along with the season mm. the book actually mentions for this chapter the first thing it mentions is they're on the high road beyond midas's castle so the book doesn't even try to pretend that we're not dealing with midas currently so mm. yeah and obviously the books were published after the first season yeah. uh, came out yeah so hmm we'll see but um they're on a bumpy ride and abigail is complaining about how they should have taken the troll road uh they come to a block tree and prince charming gets out to help his men move the tree and he realizes that the tree was purposely cut it didn't just fall on its own and a thief reaches into the coach and steals a package of jewels and rides off uh charming goes after the thief knocks them off their horse and discovers that it is a woman. Although he, do, I believe he says a girl in the episode and she corrects yeah. him and says a woman. She knocks him on the head with a rock, uh, leaving a cut on his chin. And in my research, I found out that uh, Josh Dallas actually has that scar on his face. Oh. And- um, So they wrote it in. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, it was just a bit of trivia. It said, you know, Josh Dallas shares the same scar on his chin with his Prince Charming character. And I was like, so he just has that scar. <laughs> like it's not, you know, that they wrote it in, like you said. Yeah. So she hits him in the face with a rock, leaving a cut on his chin and rides off on his horse. As he watches her go, he vows that he will find her no matter where she goes. 
And of course, we have our first instance with in, them of saying this. Not that we haven't heard it a yeah. million times already, but in their timeline. Yeah. Yeah. I I just wanted to ask, do you think there was anything to the stagecoach being all white? Like, was it a parallel to Regina's stagecoach being all black or? I mean, that's possible, mm. but like, and we'll, we'll get into it later because like, you know, she says late and Snow says later that she's only stolen from the queen's carriages before now. And she thought it was the queen's carriage. And I'm like, Oh yeah. But wouldn't you know that it's not? Because it doesn't look like any of Regina's carriages. Yeah. Like very obviously. Also, the one note that I had about this is Abigail said that they should have taken like the troll bridge, basically, the troll way. <laughs> but we know that's kind of impossible. And we also know that like that way is not exactly safe because of what happens later in the episode. So I'm just curious why they would have gone that way instead of the way they went that was bumpy. It's something that we can discuss later, but I, I was thinking about when he, when Charming talks to her about the, uh, talks to Snow about the trolls and he says, oh, they're little people or whatever. And she says, no, you're thinking of dwarves. Not to get, well, I guess to get far ahead. In later seasons, we will see other trolls that are tiny in the Frozen Andel storyline. Yeah. And I, you know, you could say, oh, that's a different realm. So the trolls are different there. And I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I also think we do see trolls that are gigantic, but these trolls in this episode are just kind of human size. But yeah, the infrastructure of their bridge was not very safe for a carriage to go over. No, uh, definitely not. So yeah. it's very odd, to be honest. I guess it's just showing Abigail's maybe entitlement that or I don't know if you want to say entitlement but that she feels that she knows better than him or whatever you want to say I suppose mm -hmm. so moving on to our next scene Mary Margaret is at the diner chatting with her date Dr. Well who is busy admiring Ruby the waitress when she realizes it's not going well Mary Margaret leaves and she notices Emma Swan living in her car you know, on the streets because no one will give her a room and she's happy to see Emma, and she asks her to uh, to stay with her as her roommate, and Emma tells her that she's not the roommate type. I don't have a lot of notes for this. Uh, I okay. do have from the book, though, that when they discuss, when they're talking with Emma in the car, that Emma, you know, mentions like, oh, there's no jobs, there's no vacancies anywhere, what's up with that? That's really odd, and Mary Margaret's only response is, people just like the same here, and I'm mm. like, oh... Okay, we're just we're just writing that off completely. Yeah, for, for those of you wondering, um, Ashley took the time to start. I'm not, reading the book. Yeah. We'll have a separate podcast about yeah. me reading the book that goes along with the season. It's yeah. basically a one sort for of one. A review and you can series. tell me you can tell me what you think of it and everything, because uh, I will most likely not be reading the book. But well, my only two notes for this scene are I have written here Ruby god damn um because you know uh, she just looks good in the scene and the way that it's shot and everything um we all know who we're checking out here. yeah yeah everyone in the audience was looking at her um not just dr whale it and yes he shouldn't have done that on a first date but you know i i'm not gonna hate the guy entirely something tells me every woman in town is used to it <laughs> yeah i would imagine so and my second note is 
Emma asks Mary Margaret if the date at least paid for, or if uh, Dr. Whale at least paid for the date, and she shakes her head no. Like, so Dr. Whale, a doctor, made this poor teacher, Mary Margaret, pay for the date. I mean, Mary Margaret did ask for the check and basically was like, check, let's leave. So. I, 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 if, if it was a, a different type of television show, maybe she would have thrown her water or whatever she was drinking in his face and stormed out. But, True. you know, whatever. So then I have here uh, the next day that Mary Margaret is volunteering at the hospital and she notices Henry sitting with John Doe. He asks what's wrong with the patient. And Mary Margaret explains that there's, uh, that he has been there for a long time excuse me, that he has been there as long as she has been volunteering and no one knows who he is or what family he has. Henry questions the certainty of that, that she doesn't know who he is, but Mary Margaret assures him that she does not. Henry meets with Emma and tells her that he has found her father, Prince Charming, and that he is the John Doe patient. Uh, he shows Emma the storybook and points out Prince Charming and John Doe have the same exact scar on the same spot on their cheek. Uh, and that Henry believes the curse is keeping John Doe and Mary Margaret apart by keeping him in a coma. Emma doesn't believe it, but Henry insists that they have to get Mary Margaret to read the story to the coma patient to remind them of who they are. Emma agrees, but says that she uh, has to ask Mary Margaret. And then she tells Mary Margaret to play along so that Henry realizes that he's wrong on his own when nothing happens. Uh, Mary Margaret admits that it's a good idea, and Emma tells her uh, that she will meet at Granny's for breakfast the next day to give the full report. You know, um, what I liked about this is, unlike other stuff that Emma has done so far in regards to Henry, I feel like at least here she's kind of concerned, like, if we do it this way, it'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah, we've mentioned in previous episodes how she kind of was playing with his psychoses or what she believes is his psychoses, I guess I should say. But yeah, this way is definitely a lot better than she went about it in previous episodes. And my only note here is Mary Margaret saying, we'll get to the truth without hurting him. Like that's her intention. So the next thing I have notes on, it says Mary Margaret starts reading the fairy tale book to John Doe telling the story how Prince Charming chased the thief and fell in love with her. As she reads, John Doe suddenly grabs her hand. She summons Dr. Whale, but he says all the instruments are still reading steady with no changes. He suggests that perhaps she fell asleep and was imagining things and then tells her to go home. Once she leaves, he calls Regina and tells her what, happens, uh, what happened, including that Mary Margaret was involved and that there was some minor brainwave function. At home, Mary Margaret resumes reading the story to herself. Uh, it makes me so angry with Regina just having her hands in everything. Oh, yeah. I have my note here. It says uh, she's got Dr. Whale in her pocket. Like she has the sheriff, uh, which is the law, and Sydney, which is the press. Like this. Which it, like, it's not surprising. It's her curse, and her curse is basically. I'm the only one that's going to have a happy ending. So, of yes. course, everybody's listening to her and in her pocket, not the other way around. Mm. Yeah. So I have here Snow... Uh, anything else to say about that or no? No. Okay. So Snow prepares to leave her crude home in a log 
taking a few possessions with her. She steps out and immediately sna is snagged on a trap set by Prince Charming, which kind of made me laugh because it was like he found her like where she's hiding out. He set up this this trap to get. She didn't hear a single thing. No, that, that's what drives me. I'm like Snow White, who we know is a pretty good like hunter, pretty yeah. good at take, keeping herself safe in these situations. Yeah. Good old boy Prince Charming showed up and did it. Like, yeah. Geez, like, I'm if, supposed to believe that if there had been a scene of him seeing her go back there and then she leaves again and he sets it up, it would have been one thing. But like, she was there and he sets this up with her hide, uh, hiding there and. It, it just gets her. But um, to continue on, he demands that she returns the pouch with the jewelry, but she says that she has sold them. Uh, she points out that he must have hundreds of jewels, but Prince Char Charming says that one of them was his mother's ring, which he planned to give to his fiance. Uh, Snow says it must be a marriage of convenience because no one marries for true love. Prince Charming defends it was a necessary union, when Snow refuses to return the jewels, Prince Charming threatens to turn her over to the evil queen, revealing he knows who she is, uh, who has sentenced her to death for murder and treason. Snow White agrees, and Prince Charming releases her. So in my notes here, I also have Charming saying, no matter what you do, I will always find you. Another use of that line. Um, Take a shot every time they say that line. Yeah. This is where I believe she gives him the name Charming. Yes. Like he, he tries to tell her, oh, I have a name. And she says, she no. She makes a really snarky comment about him aren't being, aren't you a real Prince Charming? And, he, and she's like, nope, Charming suits you. Yes. That's just where we leave it. And my final note is Snow saying that there's no such, such thing as love at first sight or first kiss. Which is completely ironic. Yeah, very. <laughs> at the next scene, Emma meets Henry at the diner, and Mary Margaret comes in to tell them that John Doe grabbed her hand. Henry is pleased and says that she has to redo him again, and Mary Margaret immediately races off, telling Emma that he may not be Prince Charming, but she must have reached him somehow. When they get to the hospital, Sheriff Graham is there and informs them that the patient has gone missing. Regina is there, looking into the matter as well, and demands to know why Emma is there. She realizes that Henry lied to her when he said he was going to the arcade. Henry wonders aloud what Regina had to do with John Doe's disappearance. Emma points out that it is unusual that she would be there. Regina explains that she is his emergency contact after she found him on the road years ago and brought him to the hospital. Emma offers to help find him, but Regina tells her to stay out of it and walks away with Henry. So... In this scene, I found it interesting that when they were coming up, Graham like notices them and turns around quickly and says, Henry, you should stay back. Like I, it, to me, it kind of gave me a reading that he was trying to keep Regina from seeing Henry and Emma together. Uh, maybe I'm just over, uh, over reading that or something. I don't know. I'm not even sure hmm. because like, it could just be like, oh, stay back. Like you don't want to see anything. There's also nothing to see, so yeah like it's not like a horror scene or anything like that like I, I don't know why he was trying to keep them back other than protecting him and Emma from being seen together by Regina I have here two uh Regina's lines of saying and since I can't keep you away from my son I'll keep my son away from you at which point the camera was on Graham and he looked down 
uh, with like a sad look on his face. And then she tops it off by saying, enjoy my shirt since that's all you'll be getting. Uh, yeah, you have to realize that Henry gave Emma a shirt earlier in the scene to basically be like, hey, you need more clothing because you don't have anything here. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I found it hilarious that Regina recognized that it was her shirt and called Especially Emma after out. Henry says, oh, she won't know. Like, uh-huh, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, Henry. Yeah. So the next part I have, uh, Graham begins organizing the search and talks to two people, Leroy and Walter, who we come to find out, or well, I guess we know Leroy is uh, grumpy, but uh, yeah. it, it's kind of obvious that Walter is sleepy, I, but I don't think they've established sleepy in the fairy tale world yet. I think we've no. only seen grumpy. They uh, don't really establish a lot of the dwarves to like that one or two episodes that they're actually like all in it. And yeah. that's about all we get at any yeah. point. And, but we know that Walter is sleepy because he's yawning and they mentioned that he falls asleep on the job, but they check the security tapes and Emma realizes that it's the wrong tape because there should have been banners hanging from uh, the kids coming to the hospital. And when they find the right one, they confirm that four hours ago, John Doe walked out on his own into the nearby woods. Yeah, I have nothing to say about that. That's a very straightforward scene. Okay. So next scene, Snow White leads Prince Charming through the woods to where she sold the jewels, and he notices her holding a necklace. She tells him not to worry about it, but he snatches it away and comments that it's filled with dust. She explains that it's fairy dust and can transform any adversary into a harmless form. Prince Charming figures out that she plans to use it on the evil queen, and points out that Snow White has a lot of anger. The thief explains that the charges against her are false, and that she only lived because the queen sent a huntsman to rip her heart out, but he took pity and let her go. Snow White tells Prince Charming that she only wants to get enough money to leave for another realm, and she thought the coach belonged to the queen. They come to a stream. Snow White asks to take a drink. When Prince Charming agrees, they drink, and she shoves him into the water and runs off. However, the evil queen's black knights find her and close in. Snow White realizes that Prince Charming still has her necklace. So I feel, I have to say that the music in this scene is so good for when they're like first starting to like walk through the woods. It's got that epic Snow and Charming on an adventure feel. Mm Mm-hmm. Like they're coming together and then she hits him over the head with the rock in the river and stuff and throws him in the river. So it's like. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just wanted to, the one line that stood out, well, I guess two or three lines that stood out to me was Snow saying to Charming that Regina blames her, meaning Snow, for ruining her life. He asks her, did you? And she says, yes. So, Which is so interesting because yeah. we don't get to like towards the end of the season we get really an answer as to why she says yes there because we don't know the story for a while. But it's also it's also different from I believe it was the pilot that we pointed out. Um, Snow White tells Charming that Regina tried to kill her because she was more beautiful than she was. Like going back to the classic Snow White tale, but. Here, just a few episodes later, and even earlier in their timeline, she admits that she did something to Regina that caused all these problems. 
And piggybacking off this, one of the few notes I have about the third chapter of the book is in this conversation, Snow actually makes it a point to say, the queen just hates herself and she hates everyone else as well, but I did nothing to her. Oh. And I'm like, that is bold statements. Mm. Was was the book written by Adam and Edward or was it uh, a different No, author? it okay. was wrote, written by Odette Bean. Mm. I wonder, I really wonder if it's a matter of, they were like, here, write this book. You know what, we'll get into it later when we talk about the book in a different, but I, I don't think it's her fault that it's written so like different. on the nose like that because, oof. Well, I guess it's kind of like everything else. The show is the canon, like, and every, it's, it's like Star Wars, like uh, for decades, they've had Star Wars comics and books and everything. But if something didn't line up with what they wanted to do with the movies, well, the movie is what happened. The show or the book is non-canonical. So maybe I guess that's kind of how it's the same way here. The next scene, Graham, Emma, and Mary Margaret follow John Doe's trail. While the sheriff goes ahead, Mary Margaret asks Emma how she became a bail bondsman. Emma replies that she's been doing it as long as she can remember. When Mary Margaret pushes the issue and asks and asks about her parents, Emma says she never did find her parents. Henry sneaks away from his mother and comes to find them. He tells Mary Margaret that jo- John Doe is looking for her. I, my personal notes are, I remember the very first time watching this, uh, I guess 10 years ago, and thinking that Graham was like the big bad wolf or something because he had yeah these, he had these That's tracking what I was gonna say yeah abilities and he referred to the woods as being his world. Well, we don't know who he is yet, but it also works with who he is. Oh, it does, but it definitely gave off wolf vibes or like mm-hmm. some something else altogether. Like, and then uh, my other note is Mary Margaret saying, "Did you ever find your parents?" And Emma saying, "Depends who you ask." Well, we know Henry's opinion. <laughs> yes, we do. But I just, I just thought that was an interesting way. Uh, you know, in my recap of it, I said that she said that she never found her parents, but the way that she actually answers the question is saying, "Depends on who you asked." It depends on who you ask. It's just interesting to me that she would phrase it that way. Yeah, it is a little mm. odd. So we're back in the fairy tale world and the lead black knight prepares to kill Snow White when Prince Charming arrives and kills him with an arrow. He takes on a second knight while the third one snatches up Snow and rides away. Prince Charming grabs an arrow and manages to shoot the knight killing him and Snow White rides back. She points out that he saved her and Prince Charming says it was the honorable thing to do. He reminds her that they need to get the jewels, and Snow White says the troll group she sold them to are just over the next rise. I thought um, we pointed out previously how Josh Dallas had the the badass baby scene where he was fighting <laughs> the knights with a baby, and and here he gets to have another pretty badass scene. Badass scene, yeah. like yeah. I mean, the they gave him all the good scenes early yeah. on, like yeah, the the first night that he shoots at the arrow, okay, cool, got him. It was sneak attack. The next night that he takes down with the sword, all right, cool, yeah, one on one, he can fight, great. But then he just sprints and makes this miraculous shot through trees and everything, and takes out the third one. And it's like, wow, this guy, he is a superhero. <laughs> um, he is pretty charming. 
Oh, he is Prince Charming. You're right. So Mary Margaret doesn't believe Henry, who insists that she needs to stop and let John Doe catch up to her. Emma tells him to go home, but as Henry argues, Graham calls them over. He has found John Doe's patient tag with blood on it. I guess just uh, going further with our whole, the sheriff seemed like someone else, like just, you know, finding the blood and everything also made me think, oh yeah, this guy's definitely the big bad wolf or, or something like that. So back in the fairy tale world, Prince Charming and Snow White arrive at the troll bridge and proceed on foot. The trolls climb over the edges and surround them. Snow White tries to negotiate for the ring. The trolls suspect that it is a setup and attack, and the lead troll has his men search Prince Charming. They find Snow White's necklace and toss it to the ground, and then there's a poster for Snow White and they realize who she is. Prince Charming grabs his sword and drives them back. Snow White grabs her necklace and runs. However, the trolls grab Prince Charming and prepare to kill him. Snow White returns and uses her fairy dust to transform them into insects, saving the prince's life, but in the process using all of her dust. He thanks her, to which she retorts with his words that it was the honorable thing to do, and they continue on with the drool, uh, with the jewels. You know, I find, again, I find it so interesting because, again, going back to the beginning of this episode where they were going to go over the troll bridge, it's like, okay, now we see this troll bridge. Yeah. We see the trolls. They exist. Yeah. And like, maybe you seem to have to, like, summon them with money or something to come up from under the bridge. But, like, but then we have all this stuff about the royal blood. And yeah. the book actually points out here that the reason they want the royal blood is because royal blood is the sweetest blood of all. Yeah, the one troll says that in, in, the, in yeah. the episode too. Actually, discuss Charming and his royal blood and all that? or You know, I think people listening have watched the show already. It's not too, too bad to say. Yeah, I suppose we can discuss that he's yeah. not... He's not really a prince. Yeah. No, no, not at all. Yeah, not not through his bloodline, certainly. And just by happen chance that he's there. Which That's um, also kind of why you get a lot of stuff with him and Abigail, too, being a little t- contentious. Because doesn't she kind of know that he's not really yeah. a prince? Like, yeah. That's kind of a known-ish thing. And at, at... Maybe it's too much to say, and maybe I'll cut this, but... um. He's also not James, like yeah. yeah. Um, the I prince. don't think that's much to say. I yeah. mean, well, you know, just Dude, that is a couple seasons down the line, but yeah, he's yeah. not original James at all. No. <laughs> um. So in in no way is he really. I mean, what could he have possibly? I mean, the the king needed him for the engagement and everything. Yeah. So this is what week two of him being a prince, <laughs> like. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, as I previously mentioned, uh, we see trolls from other lands and their different sizes. Uh, I found it interesting that the trolls could read, like that they pick up the poster and they're like, oh, Snow White. Like, you know, it's just that they read. Yeah, they are very human here. Yeah, yeah. And then my last note is saying that the royal blood is the sweetest of all, which we've discussed. Yeah. Okay, back in Storybrook by following the trail to the old Toll Bridge, and that's Toll, T-O-L-L, the group finds John Doe lying in a stream. They pull him out, and Mary Margaret begs him to come back to life and to her. She administers CPR, 
and he finally revives. Looking up, he says that she saved him. While an astonished Emma looks on, John Doe admits that he doesn't know who he is, and Mary Margaret tells him that he will be okay. They take him to the hospital, and Dr. Whale works on him. A, room, a woman runs in, calling the patient David, and Dr. Whale ushers her back. Regina arrives to confirm that the woman is Catherine Nolan, the man's wife. Yes. I mean, we'll get into the Catherine stuff later, obviously. Yeah. yeah. We'll get into it right now, but... Uh... I have a couple notes about this. Um, yeah. It, it was cute wordplay, toll bridge, troll bridge, and someone Well, spray- even the sign yeah. has the spray-painted R, yeah. So. Yeah, I thought that was cute. Mary Margaret saying, I found you. Um, I just love how reminiscent of True Love's Kiss, too, like opposite them. Oh, yeah. A nice thing to have. And it's funny, too, in my research, I found out that Jennifer Goodwin was actually trained by a real medic how to administer CPR like to make the scene look real, but when they shot it, it didn't look dramatic enough. So Jennifer Morrison showed her how they did CPR on house, which she had previously, she had been on house and played a doctor on there. So they showed, she showed her how they do CPR on house. And that's the way that it ended up in the episode that she administered CPR, uh, the actor way. Yeah. So in the book here, they it's not like they're kind of wandering through the woods it's like once henry shows up he basically goes i know where he's going and henry drags them to the troll bridge basically like Mm. henry is doing all the work here yeah in the book like and he's like nope this is what's going on i got this let's go like that's the book it's very much reliant upon henry knowing their story better than everybody else well, the, the the craziest thing is that he's not wrong, and I I think you you pointed out previously that um, how come no one else notices that the characters in the book look exactly like the real world counterparts that Henry's saying they are. We'll and, get into that because they do bring it up in the book. Oh, okay. Like in the book, and sometimes I'm like, at least at least we're acknowledging it here. I guess. Okay. Because I, I was I was going to say, like, in this episode, Henry directly shows Emma, like, David and his scar in the book and everything. And she's just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it, no big deal. My um, next thing here says, Prince Charming gives Snow White the gold back and she gives him the ring. He comments that it is not her style and she tries it on. She stares at it for a moment and then Snow White agrees that it is not her style and hands it back. Prince Charming offers her the rest of the jewels, but she says she has what she needs. She wishes she wishes him well and says that if he needs anything, Snow White finishes the statement by saying he will always find her. They say their goodbyes and they go separate ways. Snow White turns back and looks, hesitating for a moment, then continues on. So my only really important note here is, again, in the book, well, the only thing they really mention about this scene is they wandered much longer than they should have mm. before parting ways. And I'm like, oh, well, that's good to know. They spent a lot of time together, apparently. Well, um, my my two notes on the scene are Snow saying, you will find me and Charming saying always. So yet again, them using that phrase. And I don't know where I learned this, but I remember a while ago hearing 
that if a character looks back in a movie or a TV show, it means oh, that's a hundred percent true. Yeah, it means that I can think of a million scenes where that's just the fact. Yeah, but it's just a way that they showed the audience that that character is in love with the other person that they looked back. So I guess Snow is already in love with Charming. And then we're back in the real world where Catherine comes over to Mary, Margaret, Emma, and Henry in the hospital, thanking them for their help. She explains that she and her husband had been having marital problems. So she told him that if he didn't want to be married to her, he should leave. She assumed that he left town and did not know that he had been injured. Now, Catherine has a second chance to say that she is sorry. Dr. Whale tells everyone present that David is physically okay, but has no memory of his past life. Dr. Whale suggests suggests that David's first instinct was to find someone familiar, and Henry says that he was looking for someone, not something. As Catherine goes to her husband, Henry goes to get his backpack. He whispers to Mary Margaret that David was going to the bridge to look for her and that they belong together. As Regina leaves with Henry, Emma catches up to her and points out that Catherine's story sounds fake and how convenient it was that Regina found Catherine now. And Regina says that after Emma went through the tapes, they checked past tapes and found David mentioning Catherine's name in his sleep from time to time. The mayor tells Emma that true love won out. And thanks to Emma and Mary Margaret, the couple will now be together forever. Regina says that not having someone is the worst curse imaginable and leaves. Mary Margaret watches as Catherine and David embrace. He looks up at her and seems to recognize her while Mary Margaret looks at the ring she is wearing. Later, Mary Margaret is at home when Emma arrives on on her doorstep and says that she's going to take up the offer of that spare room. Everything about this scene just slightly annoys me. (laughs) Mostly, again, like, really, when Emma and Mary Margaret are sitting there questioning, like, but you didn't know he was here? No, really. Mm. You didn't know that your husband was in the fucking hospital as a John Doe? Yeah. Sorry. Well, sorry for the cursing. No, it's fine. It it is interesting um, to think about. because I watched this episode and episode four back to back. And in that episode too, there's certain things that I, that as we've discussed previously, we know that pretty much everyone lived the same day over and over again while the curse was active. It just makes me wonder when in their filled in history did uh, David and Catherine have this argument that they split up and like how long has he been in the like I, you know he's supposed to be in like the hospital this whole time my assumption is that what really happened is just like it happened to be like happened right before they would have been in the curse like that would be in their timeline but it's not mm. but like how do you account for all those months and years of like him being there well, i know well, they're reliving the same day yeah but like they're also very conscious of the fact that like a lot of time has passed yeah it's it's interesting makes your head spin really thinking about these questions uh and same but, thing with- because realistically the answer should be oh no he went missing like two days ago like right. that's the real answer like in the like week that emma's been emma hasn't been there like, emma's been there like three days right in the three days that emma's been there that's how long he's been missing like realistically yeah like and that, maybe the, five or six days 
Well, even at five or six days, I think if you're married to someone, no matter how bad the fight you have with them is, if you don't hear from them, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't hear anything from them or know anything that's going on. You know, he didn't even update his Facebook status. (laughs) Like, you know, you know, something's up. Yeah, Um, exactly. But in my notes on this scene, I found it funny, Regina asking Henry, if he knew what insubordination meant because she said he was going to be punished for his insubordination. And I went and I found the definition, which it's a defiance of authority, refusal to obey orders. I think that's a very, very uh, cold way for a mother to refer to their child uh, being disobedient, insubordination, but very in key with Regina's character. Uh I don't even know what to say. Like I said, this whole scene just kind of <laughs> and and the line of trip. Yeah. Well, I also like the line of Regina asking Emma, uh, do you think I cast a spell on her in regard to Catherine? Like, haha, we know you did. <laughs> but that concludes the episode. I have here uh, a deleted scene called Responsibility. It was scene 25. Emma, Mary Margaret, and Sheriff Graham watch the security tapes that show John Doe exiting into the woods. They leave and Graham calls for backup. Emma wants Mary Margaret to stay behind, but she disagrees and wants to go with them. Mary Margaret feels it is her fault that David woke up and ran off. She threatens to go on her own. After hearing that, Emma agrees to let her come. I, you know, one of those redundant scenes that we've seen before that have been cut. You kind of get everything from here without having yeah. the scene in it. I have some trivia and production notes. This is Jennifer Goodwin's favorite episode of the series. That doesn't surprise me at all. No, I mean, yeah. this is where they fell in love, where Jennifer and Josh fell in love. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. <laughs> some reused footage. There's some footage from Snow White and Prince Charming scenes that were reused in season three's finale, Snowdrifts. And there's No Place Like Home, which combines with old footage and reshoots. As I mentioned before, Josh Dallas bears the same real-life chin scar that his character Prince Charming has. Mary Margaret's statement to Emma, I'm a teacher, not a nun, refers to, in the original script, Mary Margaret was a nun. Something that changed. Which totally makes sense for Mary Margaret's name. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And her look. Yeah. Her demeanor. Yeah, it is interesting, um, because there will be nuns later on in the series and who they are. But something that has changed, the design of the playground castle has changed somewhat since the pilot. For example, the boards at the top of the tower are different. Railing has been added to the foremost tower on the left-hand side, and the slide has changed colors from orange to green. Uh, The position of the castle also changed. In pilot, the castle was parallel to the sea, but in this episode, it is perpendicular to the sea. And this is the castle that Henry and Emma were sitting on that we're referring to. Jennifer Goodwin found the segment where Snow White and Prince Charming balance on a log scary to film as she is afraid of heights. While shooting one of the hospital scenes where David and Mary Margaret are in his room, Josh Dallas kept falling asleep. Jennifer Goodwin and the crew attempted to prank him by sneaking out and sending someone in to say that it was 6 a.m. the next day, but he woke up as they were tiptoeing away. In the scene where Snow White is captured by the evil queen's henchmen, Jennifer Goodwin tweeted that the horse ran into her and sent her flying with, with injuries to the hand and face. 
Uh, she went to the emergency room for stitches and later came back to work. In most of the shots where Snow White is trapped in Prince Charming's net, the left side, the viewer's right, of her face is partially hidden by her hood and the net because she had stitches to her left eye. The actress also filmed half the episode with an injured left hand. The scenes where Snow White uses fairy dust on the trolls were filmed like two and a half months after principal photography was finished. Oh. I, don't, I don't know where that quote came from, but it was in quotation marks, so I left them there. The water was very cold when they filmed the scenes where an amnesiac, an amnesiac David is lying unconscious in the creek and Josh Dallas almost froze, but the crew had a hot tub nearby to warm him up in between takes and scenes. <laughs> yeah. uh. And for the part where Mary Margaret revives David, I've mentioned this before, Jennifer Goodwin was taught CPR by a medic, but it looked bad. Jennifer Morrison then taught her how they did it on her old television show House because CPR is more dr dramatic on screen. Anything else you'd like to mention? No, you, you've got a lot there. You covered it all. All right. And that concludes this week's episode of the Once Again Podcast. We are your hosts, Ashley and Jason. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Thank you.